Welcome to the Scoop and Score podcast. Do they worry you at all? Are you worried? Ridiculous, Morgan. My boy. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Your host, Stephen Kahn. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to week 12 of the college football season. Uh, probably a bit of a, uh, a light show this week, not a ton happened uh, in the college football world last weekend, and it doesn't look like there's going to be a ton happening this weekend. One of those one of those college football weekends that just kind of leaves you feeling, you know, you're like you're not quite full. But I'll tell you what will leave you feeling full, and that's beef. And where where can you go to get a just a ton of high quality, reasonably priced beef? That's debraga.com, D-E-B-R-A-G-G-A.com. And you can get so many different top-of-the-line quality products. Some of the new items, I'm just here searching on the website. I mean, they've got they've got some Iberian Pastures Iberico pork. Are you kidding me with this? Southern Australian grass-fed beef? Where else are you getting beef that is not only grass-fed, not only from Australia, but from the southern part of Australia, known for being the best part of Australia to get grass-fed beef? And then... If you're saying, Stephen, great, you know, I've, I've had that kind of pork. I've had that kind of beef. How about the Elysian Fields lamb? Where else are you getting Elysian Fields lamb? Nowhere else that I know it's the best kind of lamb. And they've got four different options on the Elysian Fields lamb. So get over to debraga.com pronto because we're all tired of turkey on Thanksgiving. Beef is what we should be having to celebrate the forming of our country. If you want some lamb, I support that too. Go over to debraga.com, use promo code SCOOP. You're going to get, I don't know, I've already forgotten. I think it's 15% off your first order. It's possible it's 25, but I think it's 15. There's only one way to find out. That's by using that promo code, baby. So get on over there, promo code SCOOP, some percentage off between 15 and 25, and uh, you're not going to be sorry about it at all. But let's talk now about the college football action from week 11, of which there was not a ton. I mean, we'll we'll start with uh, the Fighting Irish. Um, despite the three fumbles, they, they were able to hammer BC, um, although they did suffer an injury, losing uh, starting center Jarrett Patterson, uh, expected to be out for the season. Uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about A, why that's important, um, and, and B, you know, just what that... Uh, should be factored into kind of the overall um, records and resumes of teams uh, a little bit later in this show. Um, North Carolina and Wake Forest played a wild back and forth game with North Carolina ultimately winning 59 to 53. Uh, for those keeping score at home, that is a college football scoragami, uh, meaning that that is a uh, final score that has never before happened in college football. That's a lot of games, a lot of teams. Uh, so 59-53, we have a new first time final score. Uh, Notre Dame and North Carolina will go head to head. Um, in week 13, uh, so next week's show, we will cover that uh, that matchup in what should be a pretty uh, high-scoring affair. Uh, USC, for the second week in a row to open their season with a really eerily similar performance, uh, a comeback against Arizona after doing the same to Arizona State. You know, it's certainly not looking good for the Trojans, but they are 2-0, and, and in this weird season, uh, that's... Uh, 
you know, that that's not something you want to be taking for granted. So uh, certainly something there. But in terms of trying to put together a resume that could be viewed as college football playoff worthy, um, really not the start you want if you're USC. You need to probably be looking more impressive than you have over these first two games. Um, Northwestern and Purdue in the uh, in one of those undefeated Big Ten matchups. Uh, Northwestern knocked them off 27 to 20, um, and and that'll lead to uh, Northwestern playing Wisconsin uh, this coming week in, in really what is a de facto uh, Big Ten West championship game. Um, we'll talk about that a little later, but really uh, almost a situation where we have uh, the Big Ten semifinals uh, coming at us this coming weekend. On the flip side, uh, the, the bizarro undefeated game, uh, we had Nebraska playing Penn State, two teams looking for their first win of the season. Nebraska got out to a huge lead and was able to hang on for the 30-23 to victory. Uh, Luke McCaffrey got the start at quarterback over Adrian Martinez for the Huskers in that one. That's the third McCaffrey uh, child to, to be playing major college football. Um, the second, of course, Dylan McCaffrey transferred out of Michigan after uh, after not uh, winning the job over Joe Milton, and uh, and and I guess let's talk about Michigan because you know at this point uh, as as Michigan might be transitioning away from Joe Milton and to Cade McNamara, were they better off sticking with Dylan McCaffrey? I know a lot of uh, a lot of people uh, that follow that program closely uh, certainly thought that Dylan McCaffrey might be the best quarterback on the team, even last year when Shea Patterson was there. Um, so to let him go is is certainly, you know, a questionable decision uh, for Coach Harbaugh there, uh, where quarterback really has been his biggest problem in the time that he's been at Michigan. Uh, you know, right now I'm, I'm really just speaking around the, the outcome of the game uh, that they played on Saturday against Wisconsin, losing 49-11 to um, in a game that really wasn't even that close. Um, and maybe the biggest problem, you know, it's not just the loss, but the fact that two years in a row against Wisconsin, so this is not Ohio State that is certainly recruiting at a much higher level than Michigan and has superior athletes to Michigan. This is a team that is not, you know, the recruiting rankings are not on par with the Wolverines, and Michigan should, it's it's a good measuring stick. Wisconsin's a great program, but Michigan should be competing with and beating Wisconsin. And in the last two seasons, the two scores were uh, we had forty nine to eleven this past weekend, forty one to nineteen. Uh, oh no, sorry, thirty five to fourteen uh, last year. Uh, rushing yards last year three forty one to forty seven. Uh, this year three fifty nine to forty. Uh, time of possession, 40 to 20, 41 to 19. So it's two essentially identical games um, where where Wisconsin was just completely able to have their way at the line of scrimmage and really throughout the entire game doing whatever they wanted to do. Coming off of a two-week COVID outbreak, Wisconsin hardly practiced over the last two, three weeks, um, finally gets back on the field. And for, for Michigan to come out and lay an egg like this, um, you know, in in really what was a back-against-their-wall kind of game. They were in a similar position last year against Notre Dame, and they came out and absolutely hammered the Irish. And 
in a similar back against the wall position here, they just curled up. And if that's not an indictment uh, on on what Jim Harbaugh is doing right now, I I don't know what else is. Uh, it's really it's an interesting situation there where uh, he 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 doesn't have an agent. He deals with his own contracts. Um, he, he does not currently have an extension beyond the 2021 season. And in college football, you want to get these extensions done early so you can recruit. So it's, it's certainly an interesting situation here with the, uh, with the pandemic, obviously financials around a lot of colleges are difficult right now, especially around athletic programs. So I don't know if Michigan's going to want to extend him right now, but also to fire him at the end of this year and and deal with hiring a new coach and the last year of, of his potential uh, buyout and whatever that would entail, Michigan could end up in a very awkward position of just having to let Harbaugh ride out his his final season before making a decision, and it's going to be really hard for him to recruit if uh, he's a, a quote-unquote lame duck head coach. So that's certainly going to be a, a really interesting uh, position uh, for the uh, athletic director Ward Manual at Michigan to have to decide what to do there because that is certainly uh, an interesting um, situation that's developing and and one that you know it's it's an unfortunate situation just obviously it, it would be a lot easier <laughs> outside the realm of a pandemic it would be easier to fire him and bring in someone new or you could make the decision to to extend him maybe for a couple years and you'd have that money available. But right now, um, neither option seems like a good one and you might just have to ride out, uh, the contract, which is really just something that's more or less unheard of in college football. Um, I think that's about it from, uh, from the past week. Uh, again, there wasn't, uh, not a ton of marquee matchups there. Um, and, and not a ton of meaningful games as, as you recall a lot of uh, a lot of games were canceled due to covid outbreaks and and we've got some more this uh, we've got some more this week but hopefully uh, no more than uh, than we already know about one topic um, going along with the fact that various games have been canceled that I wanted to bring up is just how um, the the playoff committee and really how everyone you know fans and, and commentators of the sport should be dealing with the fact that teams are not going to play nearly equal schedules. Um, we are a little less than a week away from the first college football rankings being released. And it'll be interesting to see what the committee does to see if a team like Ohio State is in the top five. And if they are, if, if Ohio State's in the top five next week, uh, presumably after they beat Indiana, I think that means that the committee is not going to look too harshly on the fact that they're playing significantly fewer games uh, than other teams. But on the flip side, you know, does a team like Miami, uh, currently sitting at seven and one, deserve to be ahead of, say, uh, a three and zero Ohio State? And I think the answer is maybe. Um, there are a lot of things to factor in. A lot of people are just going to say, "Well, it's clear we don't need a full eleven games to know that Ohio State's one of the best teams in the country." That's not really the point. The the whole point is to navigate that full schedule. As I've said, Ohio State, two years in a row, tripped up by significantly lesser competition. Iowa and Purdue both knocked them off. And if they just hadn't played those games, you'd say, well, I, my eyes clearly tell me that Ohio State is one of the best teams in the country. Well, that's great. Part of what's difficult about college football is going out and playing every week and winning every week and dealing with injuries. 
how how happy would Alabama be to have played, you know, a couple fewer games and and therefore, you know, didn't play the game where Jalen Waddle got hurt? Or if Notre Dame didn't just have to deal with Jarrett Patterson getting injured? It's the wear and tear at the end of the season for a team that's played six games versus a team that's played 11 games. It's a completely different thing. I mean, the eye test thing, I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that the Steelers are one of the, the best teams in, in, the, in the country. But guess what? They're not playing a college football schedule. So it's, it's irrelevant to just say, oh, I think they're one of the best. It's, it's, you have to play the games. That's the whole point of this entire thing. And looking at, say, Ohio State and, and even Wisconsin to a more extreme degree, the best Ohio State can do this year is go 8-0. That's if no more games get canceled and they win all of their games, the best they can do is go 8-0. Notre Dame is already there. Why, sh- why should Notre Dame play another game this season? How about just have a COVID, just make up a COVID outbreak, don't play another game, 8-0, with a marquee win over Clemson, sounds good enough to get into the playoff. What's the point of playing another game? Alabama, win two more games. You know, you just have to what? Who? Kentucky and Auburn? Win those two games? Just stop playing. No reason to risk injury. No reason to, to risk, you know, just putting an extra couple games on, on, the, on the bodies of the players. No reason to risk a slip-up against Florida in the SEC championship. Just stop playing. 8-0 is good enough? It's ridiculous. We could be looking at, you know, a, a team that's played 50% less games and, and making the playoff. We'll see. I mean, we're still far enough away that I'm not going to, you know, go on my, this is about my 80% rant. We'll see where we are later in the season. But I think the, the what I'm concerned is I hear pundits just kind of penciling Ohio State in. And I just don't think that that is, you know, they've played three games. It's not, we'll see if they get to 8-0. That's a best case scenario for them. But that is significantly different than, you know, potentially Alabama at 11-0 or a Clemson at 11-1 at or Notre Dame at 11-1. So one thing that I looked at as a way to try to match up teams that have played more games against teams that have played fewer, it's sort of like a skins situation um, where... Every game you win, you collect all the wins that that opponent had. And every loss, you collect all the losses that that opponent had. And if you want to rank the current uh, top five among Power 5 teams, you're looking at uh, Notre Dame has 25 skins with zero skins losses. Miami has 23. Clemson has 22, so this obviously would need some tweaking to account for head-to-head results. But you have Notre Dame, Miami, and Clemson at 25, 23, and 22. Alabama comes in with 18. Florida comes in with 13. And Texas A&M comes in with 12. Again, another head-to-head matchup that uh, you maybe need to deal with. So that's what? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. That's the top six. Notre Dame, Miami, Clemson, Alabama, Florida, Texas A&M. And then you get to Indiana with three. And Ohio State with two. Ohio State, yeah, three and zero. Oh, our eyes tell us they belong in the in the playoff. They have won three games, and their opponents have won a total of two games. I just, I'm sorry, I don't see. And and guess what? They're not going to be collecting that many more. I mean, let's let's 
quickly go through uh, the potential schedule here, but they're, they're playing a 4-0 Indiana this week, and we'll talk about that game. Then they play Illinois. Illinois currently has one win. Then they play Michigan State. Michigan State currently has one win. Then they play Michigan. Michigan currently has one win. This is not this is not murderer's row of a schedule here. And if you're only playing seven games, there better be some good teams there. If Indiana is is the is the crown jewel of your schedule, I just think we have to take a really close look at whether or not you belong in the playoff. That'll be my end of the rant for now. But be very prepared uh, for this to be a, a common theme of this show going forward this year. It's obviously a weird year. I understand that. We're doing the best we can. But that doesn't mean you you shouldn't... I don't think that teams should be artificially penalized for the late start of their conference. But they shouldn't be rewarded for it. And that's exactly what would be happening with Ohio State. Rewarded for playing fewer games. Rewarded for starting late. Would you rather be an 8-0 team in the playoff that's only had to play 8 games? With, with four fewer games of potential injuries and four fewer games of wear and tear? Yeah, that's a huge advantage. I'm fine with it being equal, but not advantageous for these teams that did not start until mid to late October. Let's move ahead to week 12. So I mentioned the uh, de facto Big Ten semifinals. Um, at noon, we've got Indiana at Ohio State, and at 3.30, we've got Wisconsin at Northwestern. Winners of these games are going to be in the driver's seat for the Big Ten East and Big Ten West, respectively. Of course, with Wisconsin, they've not only have, they, they not only have to win this game against Northwestern, they need to make sure that none of their future games get canceled because otherwise they don't play the six games necessary to qualify for the Big Ten Championship. So that's certainly win or lose every week for Wisconsin. Uh, they need to be, you know, keeping a close eye on their opponents' uh, health reports. We'll start with Indiana and Ohio State. I've said before, Ohio State's certainly awesome on offense. The defense doesn't look to be quite as loaded as it has in previous years. Um, granted, <laughs> Ohio State coming off a, a pseudo-buy because they didn't have to play last week. Maryland, you know, had a COVID outbreak. Ohio State doesn't have to play. So coming off a bye for Ohio State, sorry, Indiana. They just get an extra week of rest while you don't. Um, I do think Michael Penix is going to be able to have some success against this Ohio State team. Uh, but overall, Ohio State just too much. Um, that, that offense, I don't see Indiana getting a lot of stops in this game. Uh, Indiana's been solid on defense uh, so far this year. Um, coming coming off a shutout of Michigan State, certainly uh, certainly pretty good, but gave up you know 35 points to Penn State uh, and and 21 against both Rutgers and Michigan, so decent, not great. Um, and I think Ohio State is going to be able to score well into the 30s in this one, which is just ultimately going to be too much for Indiana. So uh, I do like Ohio State to win, you know, not in a blowout, but but comfortably in that one. And then Wisconsin and Northwestern. This one uh, probably going to be more on the lower scoring end of things. Um, I, I will say I do like Wisconsin laying six and a half in this one. Um, it it might have jumped up a little bit uh, since I gave that line out on Twitter uh, two days ago, maybe three days ago, maybe four days ago. I don't know when you're listening to this. 
Um, but that is one I could certainly see being like a 24 to 10 final. Uh, Northwestern's defense, very good. Um, and they did get rid of their, their uh, offensive coordinator from last year, who was a disaster. But there is still, it's not like they're all of a sudden the, the Kansas City Chiefs out there on offense. They are just okay. Uh, Peyton Ramsey doing a nice job, uh, the transfer from Indiana. But still, Wisconsin is just a better team. Uh, they showed what they can do against Michigan last week. And I expect really more of the same. Um, you know, Northwestern will hold their own on defense. But again, I don't see them scoring probably more than twice. So that's why I think something like a 21-24-10 type outcome for the Badgers there. Uh, so I'd certainly lay the 6.5. You know, if you can get it anything below, I'd say 10, I still like. Uh, but certainly keeping it under 7, uh, I really like that pick quite a bit. Um, one of the biggest games of the weekend also at 3:30 is Cincinnati at UCF. Um this is probably the toughest game left on in, on Cincinnati's schedule. It's maybe the best team period um on Cincinnati's schedule. And yeah, looking, I mean they play Temple. Tulsa's decent uh who they will play in the last game of the year. Um, but UCF has been pretty good. They they lost to Tulsa. Uh, they lost at Memphis by one. Uh, other than that, they certainly uh, been putting up the big numbers we're used to from there. Dylan Gabriel doing a nice job for the Knights. So that should definitely uh, be a uh, one of the better games of the week. And, and if Cincinnati wants to stay in the playoff hunt, which I firmly believe they're in uh, right now, uh, this is uh, one of the toughest tests remaining for them. I kind of think... UCF sort of flying under the radar. There's a lot of talk about Luke Fickle and the Bearcats right now. I would not be surprised to see UCF jump up and bite them. I'm not uh, not giving an official, you know, this is not one of the, the scoop and score picks of the week. Um, you you can get six points with the Knights. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would certainly lean UCF in this one. Wouldn't shock me to see them pull the outright upset. Uh, but Cincinnati's been playing really well. Um, How's that for analysis? It could definitely go either way. I would definitely lean UCF in this one uh, and, and think they could certainly win outright. That'll be uh, that'll be my final word on that. And then really the fourth and, uh, well, I'll mention a couple others before getting into Bedlam. Um, Liberty goes to NC State. Again, not, uh, not the most exciting game. That's at 7.30, but Liberty is 8-0. Um, so just certainly will be interesting to see whether they can keep it going. They've had their way with ACC opponents thus far, knocking off both Syracuse and Virginia Tech. Can they do the same to the Wolfpack? Uh, and then a little Pac-12 after dark. Uh, USC goes to Utah. That's at 1030 Eastern. Utah hasn't played yet this year, uh, so we really don't know what to expect from them. They're replacing a lot of starters from that team a year ago that, if you remember, very nearly made the playoff if they had uh, if they hadn't played their worst game of the season against Oregon in the Pac-12 title game they would have been in the playoff but they are replacing a lot of players but this is the kind of team year in and year out that they just play very mature brand of football i think if if USC comes out sloppy like they have the last two weeks and and they get in, they're themselves in an early deficit i don't think they're coming back against utah so this will be a good test for USC uh, after after the last two weeks of required comebacks, I just don't see it happening against Utah. So they're going to have to get out to an early lead and, and play a lot better if they want to win this game. And then lastly is Bedlam, uh, 7.30 primetime game, Oklahoma State going to Oklahoma. 
it, a lot of people seem to say, you know, oh, you never know what's going to happen uh, in, in Bedlam. You kind of do. Uh, and I feel like this is a, a, an annual refrain for me on this podcast. Oklahoma wins this game almost every year. Um, and I don't expect that to be different uh, this year. Uh, one of my picks, I'm giving out Oklahoma minus five and a half playing at home in this game. Oklahoma State has shown um, that they're a good team. Better defense than usual, but they've played a lot of close games, obviously losing to Texas, uh, needing the late comeback uh, to beat uh, Kansas State after uh, two weeks ago, and then they had the bye in between. I think Oklahoma is is starting to get it together after those early season stumbles, and they still control their own destiny in the Big 12. So uh, they certainly have a lot to play for, um, and I think they should be able to win this rivalry game by a touchdown. So laying the five and a half there, very comfortable. I could see them winning by by two scores, winning that one by 14, something in like the 35 to 21 type range. So that's really it for meaningful games. Um, I've given out two picks. Uh, I'm actually giving six this week, trying to uh, get that record above 500 coming into the week at 13 and 14. Um, my other picks of the week, Clemson minus 34 and a half at Florida State. This is a Clemson team obviously coming off their first regular season loss in many years. Uh, they had a bye week to sit and stew about it. Trevor Lawrence coming back. I think they should blow the doors off Florida State. I mean, I think the closest this is going to be probably 49 to 14, which as long as you get it under 35, uh, you're still you're still winning by a threat on that one, but I could even see this being you know in the 63 to seven type range. I expect this to be a full on blowout. Uh, we're riding the shots again. Coastal Carolina minus five and a half against Appalachian State. Um, the Mountaineers are a good team, no doubt about it. But this is a situation we're just riding Coastal until they let us down and. That could happen on Saturday, but it's the kind of thing where until it happens, we're not even thinking about it. If the number's in single digits, we're going with it. Dustin Johnson, Masters champion, go Shants. We're going to run that one right through to 2-0 early early slate. Uh, mentioned Wisconsin minus 6.5. Mentioned Oklahoma minus 5.5. Uh, Washington State plus 2.5 at Stanford. This one's pretty simple. Stanford's a bad team. Washington State is an okay team. So we're going to take the free two and a half points uh, and expect to win that game probably by a field goal. Um, you know, you just hope that it's Washington State kicking the game-winning field goal and on Stanford. But it just seems like two and a half free points, so we'll certainly take it. And the last pick of the week for me, and this one is a bit emotional because it is a return to my favorite college football box score of all time. And that would be on, boy, do I not, I should have had a date ready. You would think I would have had the date ready. Um, I will try to find it. October 8th, 2016, Piscataway, New Jersey. The Michigan Wolverines beat the Rutgers Scarlet Knights 78 to nothing. And this is a 78 nothing where I just, I, I think everyone, I say this every year, you should go check out this box score at least once a year. It's not like Rutgers had seven turnovers. The turnover battle was one to one. But total yards was 600 to 39. I mean, Michigan only had 100, Michigan had 119 passing yards total and only took one turnover and won the game by 78 points. I don't understand. You look at this, you don't understand how it happened. And then to give you an idea of how far this program has fallen in four years, after winning by 78, 
They are now only a 10.5 point favorite in this game. I've actually seen it coming down in certain places. Again, sorry, I give out the picks on Twitter more in advance than on the podcast. So follow me at StephenCon12 for these picks more in advance. And I'm taking the Rutgers Scarlet Knights plus 10.5. Again, this is a pretty simple one. Michigan's not very good. 10.5 is too many points for them to be giving to anyone. I And no, no shade to Rutgers, but I don't think that Michigan's that excited to fly to New Jersey and play against Rutgers in an empty stadium. Rutgers is probably pretty fired up to roll out of bed, take a bus, and play Michigan in an empty stadium. So I, I would expect Rutgers to be a lot more fired up for this one. Um, Michigan had its chance at their back against the wall game last weekend and showed up pretty dead. So uh, so I, I think, and, and there, this is what I get for uh, being on an ESPN page. We've got uh, some audio coming from it. Um, but yeah, Rutgers, plus 10.5. That's six picks this week. Hoping to be at uh, 19 and 14 when I talk to you next week. Aside from that, you know, go out, buy some beef, um, enjoy the weekend, and uh, good talking to you. See you next week. That concludes the Scoop and Score podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.